Welcome to the 49th Meal Podcast. My name is Mitchell Howe and I am your host. I'm going to take you along a journey throughout the state of Alaska where we will meet the men and women that make the food that you love. As we get this episode started, I wanted to let all of our amazing listeners know that AK Coffee Company has graciously given us a discount. So if you do follow along AK Coffee Company and you want to check out a cup of this amazing coffee, please go ahead and go to their website, www.akcoffeecompany.com and use the discount code 49th Meal Podcast when you're checking out to receive a discount. Thank you so much, AK Coffee Company, for this amazing opportunity for our listeners. Everyone, welcome to the 49th Meal Podcast. This week we are talking with Saltwood Smokehouse down out of Seward. This is a really cool, interesting business that I found online, and I'm excited to hear about them, so I will let them introduce themselves. Hello there. Yeah, we're, I'm Jim Woodside. Uh, I own and operate Saltwood Smokehouse. Uh, my, my wife, uh, Michelle Saltz, is my partner. She takes care of uh, a lot of the computer and paperwork, and I, I do uh, the grunt work with the fish. So, um, you know, Saltwood is a, a combination of our last names. Um, our logo is an alder tree that grows in our yard. Um, I had the girl come take a picture of it, make our logo. Uh, I peel and chip our own alder wood for smoking wood. And um, so it's a reflection of us. Um, I've been smoking fish since I was a kid. Uh, I, start, I started in the fish industry here in Seward in 1989, working at Icicle. I worked there a couple of years, uh, worked my way from the slime line up to quality assurance. And then uh, and then I got on a fishing boat for the next six years, January to October on a 58 foot boat out of Seward. And uh, when I got off the boat, we, we'd bought in the house and land and I, and I got off the boat and uh, was kind of wondering what I was gonna do. And, and um, so this, I, I started this knowing that uh, I, I could I could finish out my working career uh, smoking this fish. We, uh, and we what type of fish do you smoke? Well, you can't you can't run a fish smoking operation in Alaska without doing salmon. So we do salmon, <laughs> but uh, but my uh, my specialty my 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 passion is the the black cod, the sable fish. Um, I've been I've been smoking sable fish in Seward for. 26 years now and um over the years have developed a, a, a brine and uh my cut it, it took me uh 20 years to find my cut the way i cut my fish it's uh the way i cut it is the butterfly that play and uh it open it up so it uh, doesn't close back up in the brine and then um keep it uniform and uh and it makes a pretty nice looking piece of fish the way we got her down. But uh, so. And what is it about the black cod? I mean, I don't think a lot of people, may, I mean, obviously if they're from Alaska, they've heard of it, but maybe some people from other places haven't heard about it. What is it about that fish that drew you to it in particular? Um, it's probably the most nutritious fish in the North Pacific Ocean. Um, it's, it's incredibly high in uh, omega-3s. It's just such a, a wonderful product to work with. 
So we do the hot smoke, you know, it's cooked. We got to hit 145 internal temperature for half an hour. We, uh, but um, so it's, uh, it's actually not a member of the cod family. It's sable fish. They market it as black cod. Um, there's two species in the world and we have one here in, in Alaska. Um, and it's just a, it's, it's my favorite fish to work with. We shoot for a boneless product. So we fillet the, the fish and then cut it in half with the pin bone. And then I, uh, I'll cut that pin bone out. I'll surgically remove that pin bone. And um, that's, it kind of leads right from there, right into the cut that we make. Um, we use no artificial preservatives or colorings or additives. Basically, all the all the steps in the process are a, every one of them is a preservation step, from the brining, the salt and sugar in the brine, and the and the bringing it up to a cook temperature, and uh, the dehydration. We vacuum seal it and refrigerate it. So those are all all preservation steps. Um, after we fillet the fish, I'll go back over the carcass and any uh, any fish that we missed on our filet, we'll, we'll take that off of there and uh, we brine it and uh, I'll make dips and, and bagel smears out of, out of that. I call it patch, you know, kind of leftover from my cannery days. You know, we get about two pounds of patch off a of hundred pounds of fish. So, so we make a pretty tight filet, but still it allows us to use that high dollar, high value fish and, um, and uh, making our dips and smears with it. And now, what type of dips and smears do you make? That sounds oh, really interesting. So we use the smoked salmon for the salmon dip and the smoked black cod for the black cod dip. Um, the difference between a smear and a dip, the, the, the dip is a cream cheese, sour cream, mayo base. And with the ingredients and, and the smoked fish and the, the, the smear is straight cream cheese, uh, smoked fish and the flavor shot. So... For the black cod, we have a, a white truffle. We use the truffle oil, and that's all that's in it, you know. And, um, and we'll have a we have a black pepper corn uh, scallion one. We have a wasabi ginger garlic one. We're working on lots of we we try new things on a regular basis. Um, we're we're zeroing in on a uh, eggs Benedict with the black cod, and uh, we'll pair that with the red salmon. Bloody Mary schmear. So, uh, so get brunch, brunch in a jar. Brunch, yeah, throw it in a mimosa and you're there, huh? <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, so people like them, you know, we, not everything works. Uh, we, uh, I, I've tried things that I tried once and, uh, we, we move on. <laughs> <laughs> I think as a chef, I can say we've all been there at that point more, more times than we like to admit. Yeah, um, and so it's just, it's just a lot of fun, and it, it gives us a new way to market it. it. Gets it out to the coffee shops and whatnot, where they wouldn't have smoke smoked fish if, if it weren't for the smears. Uh, the, so you know the, the the salmon dip, real basic. It's uh, the cream cheese, sour cream, mayo base, and it's got uh, chopped green peppers and garlic and a little bit of Tabasco in it. But it's got almost double the uh, smoked fish that the for, for, for a 10 pound batch, it's got almost double the smoked fish as the cod has. And um, so the cod, 
smoke smoke cod dip is uh, pretty involved. It's I originally designed it to be a hot dip, like the crab artichoke that you you melt out in the oven. Nobody was eating it hot, including me. So I just kind of <laughs> switched it into a a cold dip. It's got artichoke hearts and parmesan, shaved onions. We we squeeze the juice out and toss the juice. I don't want it to become homogeneously any one flavor. I like the flavors to sparkle. And uh, it's got the uh, fresh chopped tarragon and parsley and lemon zest. And it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big hit. People really like it. There's, there's, I've n- certainly never had anything quite like it. It's a, so our, our fish, you know, our very, our very first customer for our smoked black cod was a place in New York City called Meckleburg's. And they're in the Brooklyn and they're a gourmet grocery store, deli, uh, craft beer bar. And they uh, they take that smoked black cod and they stuff it in a baked potato and they put creme fraiche, caviar, sprinkled dill on it. And the uh, Village Voice uh, newspaper there in New York City declared it favorite dish uh, uh, of 2015. So that was, a, that was our first big hit. And... Um, our, our our fish is ready to eat, fully cooked, ready to eat out of the bag, and that's fine, but its real potential lies in uh, a competent chef making a signature dish out of it, such as that potato. I mean, that's a hell of a start. I know it is. that have been making products for years and years, and they've probably got nowhere near close to having a break like that, so that's if volumes in its own. There, if you've ever been to New York City, there's a lot of restaurants there. There's, a, there's um, you know, four and five star restaurants with cordon blue chefs. And uh, that's that, I think, is the real potential of our smoked black cod is to be used in a signature dish like that. When you open that bag, you throw it on the cutting board. I like to set the bag, the empty bag off to the side there. And you start, you know, we, we take the skin off, even though the, we, we scale and wash our fish before we strip it into the brine. We, uh, I take the skin out of it when I'm making dips and schmears, but um, I'll, I'll run my knife along that skin and get that, I call it cod butter, get that off, it goes right in the dip. And, and, and it's just blowing up off of the cutting board in your face, this, this incredible uh, ingredient. And uh, so after I've worked the fish out and, and uh, we look for bones, we prep it into size. And then uh, I'll take my knife and, and scrape that bag, get all the oil from the inside of that bag from the fish and, and pour it right into the dip too. And it's just, um, when, you have, when you have that quality of a, ingredient to work with it makes it really easy to come up with delicious um, food and now i'm assuming you get all your cod uh fresh fresh from the from the dock to to your plant we can so we have to legally through the dec uh, our regulatory agency we have to monitor uh thawing or holding fresh iced fish uh, we have to monitor thawing, brining, smoking, and chilling. And uh, we have to document and verify. So I use data loggers with probes. So 
when I get my fish, I'll get paperwork, a product transfer report from the cannery that's got the time and date on it that I picked it up. And I'm about 15 minutes away and I've got it in my shop and I've got my probe on it. And these probes, uh, they record every 15 minutes. They'll take a temperature recording and uh, they drop it to the laptop. So if it takes three days to thaw it, or if it takes uh, four hours to cut it after fresh fish iced, um, monitoring that temperature and time. And then again, uh, in the we, we monitor the brining with the, uh, another data logger. And the, so on the smoker itself, the cooking process, it's got um, a double probe with the needle probes that go, that the needles go into the, the product. So we are monitoring internal temperature then and that particular one records every minute. And it's about a six hour process there. And, um, and once it comes out of there, it's, it's coming out, you know, 150 degree internal temperature. And we go straight into the chiller with it. And uh, within hour and a half to two hours, we brought it back down to 36 degrees, at which point we start bagging, weighing, labeling. And then of course it goes into long-term holding, which uh, we monitor that also, but, but the brine, uh, thawing, brining, smoking and chilling records all become part of that uh, batch, uh, that, cook, that cook batch uh, record. So each, each batch uh, becomes about eight pages long and we have to document and verify that there's been no time temperature abuse. It's all about food safety. Once you understand, a lot of people, you know, they say regulation is bad for business, uh, but food safe. There's people out there that would sell you stuff that would make you sick or kill you, and they would know that, and they would do it anyway for the money. So this, uh, unfortunately, uh, that is so true. I mean, being a um, this, <laughs> this, what, once you know food safety, you can't not know it. Hi, I'm Mitchell from the 49th Mill Podcast. This month. We're partnering with Recover Alaska for a special episode where we're celebrating Sobriety Awareness Month. Please join us on March 29th as we discuss sobriety in the service industry. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart as I have been in the service industry for about 10 years in one form or another. And I've seen the effects of overconsumption of alcohol and drugs and also the amazing success of people that have lived a sober life in this industry. Please join us and hear the story of two amazing guests that we have. And if you need any help with any topics that are brought up in this episode, please reach out to Sobriety Awareness Alaska. Thank you. Going through the accreditation process uh, to get my, my permitting here definitely changed the way I uh, deal with my own personal food at my house. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, um, I feed my uh, smoked fish to my, my children and my grandchildren. And um, when I receive fish, there's no maybe, there's no gray area. It's a yes or a no. Do I accept this fish to process? And uh, I don't say, oh, this is really good fish. I'm going to smoke it for my kids. It's not, it's not how it works. I, I say, yes, I'll accept this fish. And at the end of the process, when it's all done and in a pile of bags, I just, I just reach into the pile and, and pull some out to give to my children. There's, there's no difference between what do I, I would feed my family and what I would sell to a tourist. 
I don't know any difference uh, in it at that point. And now, for some people that might not be familiar, what is the brining process and what does it do for the fish? Okay, so um, I use a wet brine, which which um, you can use a, a dry brine, which is, you know, your mix of spices and salt and sugar, and you just layer the fish. And the fish kind of makes its own liquid uh, out of itself. Um, I use soy sauce and water, and it's got sugar and, and our spices in it um, and salt. So you're flavoring it for one thing, um, and you're also prepping it for the preservation. So when you, I brine overnight in, in refrigerated brine, and the next morning I'll use colanders and rinse my fish until that water comes clear. We call it freshening. And then we rack it. So what happens after that is you'll get a tacky layer on the outside of that fish. It's called a pellicle. And that tacky is a chemical reaction of the salt, sugar, and the protein, and the meat. And that pellicle has a chemical reaction with the smoke. And it's all about preservation. Um, so, you know, my personal take on it is, is uh, the fish is the rock star. Uh, I'm merely the taxi driver. So, <laughs> so you never want to cover up the taste of that fish with either your brine or your smoke or smother it with too many ingredients. You know, once once you can't taste that fish, you, you it doesn't matter what you're eating. And so it's very important to me that we 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 accent, we highlight that fish, you know. So it, every fish has its own taste, every fish has its own smell. A boatload of herring is gonna smell different than a boatload of uh, of halibut. But uh, I'll tell you this, anytime, anytime fish tastes fishy, there's something fishy going on with it. <laughs> That's true. That's one yeah. thing you learn so, real quick. You can, I mean, just biting into a piece, you could tell what's fresh and what's uh, questionable. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, it's uh, salmon season is coming upon us. We better smoke up that freezer burnt fish from last year. And uh and you're the most important ingredient into good smoked fish is good fish going in your best process, your best brine will not make a bad fish good. And in fact, um, it, it might add, the, the process might add to the uh, deterioration. So, so yeah, your number one ingredient in good smoked fish is good fish going in. So we get our fish, you know, from the local processors here or from off the boats and these guys know what they're doing they're professionals they also have a regulation to follow you know they 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 know how to take care of their fish they do a really good job of it and uh i'm more than i'm happy to use the the, the fish from these local processors there's only a couple of them here in town so you know everybody knows each other well, these boats have been fishing for years and years and these fishermen are are professionals it's um yeah, everybody, everybody's on the same page when it comes to that. You know, you start getting a bad name for your product and it, and you're done. So it's, it spread, uh, especially small towns like that, it spreads like wildfire and there's just yep, no coming back. Yep. And, you know, you, it takes, it takes time to build a customer base. And, uh, 
That's why consistency is very important. Uh, you sell something to a guy and he likes it and then uh, he buys more of it. It's different, you know. You just, you gotta, consistency is important. Um, we, we, when we make our brine, we measure nothing with spoons or cups. Everything is across the scale. My first four years open, uh, my first batch, my first smoked uh, batch of every month, uh, I sent three one quarter pound samples to a laboratory for analysis. And um, so they, they the, the lab analysis, uh, they're looking for Listeria, Salmonella, E. coli, Staph. Um, they'll do a water phase salt test on it. And uh, water phase salt is different than salt content. It's a, I have to hit 3.5 water phase salt. So I know that when I make my brine and I measure things out, I've got a buffer there. It's going to come out around, you know, four, four and a half, somewhere around there. And um, that's my buffer. If if I go below 3.5, then I have to freeze it. And I don't want to. And, um, And so what that is, is it's a block to botulism in an oxygen reduced environment, whether it's a can jar or a back bag. And so, you know, botulism doesn't live in the ocean. If it's in our fish, it got introduced somewhere along the way in the process through the harvesting or the processing and primary processing or, you know, so, so freezing and cooking doesn't kill botulism. It kills the toxins it makes. So, so that, Again, it's back to food safety, and that's a, uh, a block to botulism in oxygen-reduced environments. So even at the cannery, they'll throw a, a salt tablet in each can, and that's the reason for it. Okay. And now, so what got you started doing the uh, dips in the different spreads like that? How, how did that come about? Well, when you fillet the fish, you know, you've got your they call it a frame or the, the carcass, if you will. So when I was paying eight forty a pound for my fish, and I'm I'm looking at that fish we missed. What do I do with it? You know, and you go through and and bone control starts with the cut. So at that point, you got to know what you're doing not to get bones in it. And um, but you uh, you go back over the carcass and you take the any fish that you missed at the, on the fillet. Uh, and you, we brine that separate. We smoke on these mats. So uh, I, I brine the, the, I call that the patch when I, when I take that fish, that, that missed fish off. And, uh, and we pour it out. We, we pat it down uh, to the, you know, no thicker than a piece of fish and uh, leave, it, leave room for air and smoke and heat to go through it. So we use that to make our dips and smears. And if we weren't doing that, we'd be losing it. And as I say, I end up with about two pounds of finished patch off of a hundred pounds of fish. So we're not talking that much, but that'll make 10 pounds a dip. And uh, that adds know, up I, in a hurry. And I hate to waste, I hate to waste anything. And I'm work. I'm working on other ideas. Um, we can, I don't want to cook guts, but we can, uh, we can cook them frames. Uh, no, no, no smoke, no brine, just heat, heat drip, render the oil out at that point. It's a human consumption food grade waste and that high dollar, high value fish oil. I have a technique where I can uh, 
infuse low value fish uh, such as the Pacific gray cod with the black cod oil. And uh, I, am, I am permitted for fish oil here. So uh, I, would, I would eventually like to be able to even maybe do a compost with the rest of it or uh, a fish meal, if you would. We're, we're not really big enough to make a, a fish meal process work, but uh, we could definitely, I think, get away with some, uh, some composting. So I, I, I would like to um, be able to use everything. Um, everything that's harvested, everything that we buy, everything that I would like to throw as little away as possible. So that, that's, you know, sustainability. Um, we, uh, our dip and our dip and smear containers are, are, are made out of plant sugars. We, we get them out of home or loopy lupine. Um, we could get cheaper ones online, but uh, we're supporting Alaskans there. And, and we're also, kind of walk in the talk when it comes to sustainability and no artificial preservatives and and uh, whatnot in our in our product so just trying to keep it real that way and and um so it would it would uh fit right in if we could use uh use the as much as we could of the of fish yeah no that makes a lot of sense especially i mean this day and age everybody's trying to trying to conserve and use as much product as they can to keep that waste down. And there again, you know, we could take the low value Pacific gray cod fish and take that oil that we've cooked out of the frames. And if we could infuse a low value fish with high value fish oil that we're going to throw away anyway, we could make an affordable, healthy, tasty snack for people that might not be able to afford, you know, the, the black cod. And, and there again, you're not only opening up your market, but you're, you're using it and you're allowing more people to, um, to partake. And now um, I know a lot of businesses that I've talked to have a lot of unique challenges being in Alaska compared to somebody in the lower 48. Sounds like you guys actually have the advantage on that, having the fresh fish right there. Besides shipping, is there any other challenges that you guys face up here? Well, there you go. See, we are, uh, we're at the source for the raw, raw product, raw, raw material, but we are far, far away from the market. So there's a place in New York, Acme, they, they, they smoke Alaska black cod. So they have to ship their whole fish down. So they're, they're shipping the, the fish but they're in the market for their finished product. But, uh, you know, so yeah, there's a trade-off there. It's you're either one or the other. <laughs> and um, yeah, the challenges, well, right now, uh, we, we, we're unable to ship out because of the big storm down South that has uh, tangled up the, the, the big hub there in Memphis for FedEx. We tried shipping last week and we tried shipping in this week and they're just not taking any perishable products at this time uh, because they can't, they can't move it down there. They're, they're uh, plugged up from the storm. So there's a challenge. Yeah. I mean, everything we get, everything's shipped into, uh, into Alaska. Um, there's room for, we could make our own salt or somebody could start making salt here out of the, out of the ocean water. It's, they're doing it in other places in Alaska. Um, we do peel and chip our own wood instead of buying that. So there's a man here that uh, makes gel packs. He's, he, uh, 
So, you know, just the more that people can do like that and like the man selling these uh, plant-based containers, we'll hope, hopefully that uh, as, as more people start doing things like this up here, that more people will, the support industries will develop also. Yeah, I know. It's, that was one of the amazing things for me when I moved up here to realize how much uh, people actually do with just what we what have in have. our backyard. Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the cool things about living here. I told my wife, she's, you know, born in New York and, and uh, went all through school down in California. It's, you know, she's been up here with me now for 28 years. And um, I tell her, we live here for not for what it has, but for what it doesn't have. We don't have a drive-in theater, but we don't have a stoplight either. <laughs> <laughs> we, our, our, uh, our, our rush hour traffic is about 15 cars in a row. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like I said, I've been down to Seward a few times on the train, and yet there's it, it's small. It is. Um, it's so very beautiful here. These these mountains, you're, it's, it's like you're being held in the hand of God. Yeah, I really, I'm still can't get over how pretty it is here and how beautiful it is as always uh, it's never it's that captivation has never ever left me um so you got you, the, both the best worlds you got the mountains and the ocean right there yeah you know what i say is the gulf of alaska is our front yard and the kenai peninsula is our backyard so that's not you, a bad if, yard to have <laughs> if, you, if you if you come uh if you come down, there's a lot of good hiking. Let me know when you're coming. I'll try and set up some free time to, to show you some things. Um, it depends on what time of the year you come. Uh, we have a, a really strong red run in June at a creek on the bay here. Uh, if you come in July, we can go up uh, Carter Crescent Lake Trail. It's a it's a pretty steep on the very beginning of it, but you're, it gets you into the alpine tundra really quick. And it's just wild, wildflowers as far as the eye can see. And it's. I've been on that trail before. We yeah. uh, on the train we, uh, we took that hike. Yep. Yeah, that's a beautiful one. It's uh, you take your Alaska flower guide with you, and and uh, you're gonna you're gonna see almost everything in that book on that hike. And now for um, people that are listening to this and might be coming up to Alaska, where can they find you and uh, do you give tours and what is kind of the reaction from people that are maybe from the lower 48s or different countries that have never really seen the whole fishing process more than picking it up from their local supermarket? Right. Um, it's a pretty small place, so we can I can walk you through it and, you know, five to 10 minutes tops. And um, and we'll, I'll, I'll do my best to explain what we're doing and how we're doing it. As I say, uh, you come in down the highway from Anchorage uh, into Seward. Once you cross the three bridges, you're in city limits. We're, we'll be the first building on your right, a two-story bright blue building, uh, highway access off of it, 2101 Seward Highway. Um, uh, the shop phone is 907-224-3474. Give me a call. I've got a sign in my front door. If I'm not here, it's got my, my cell phone number on it that, that you can call. And I'm usually 10 to 15 minutes away and also I'm in the Caribbean. But uh, so 
uh, we give we give sample bites. Uh, that was one of the challenges in the summertime, non-pandemic year. We'll run a vending van in the harbor, and uh, we give sample bites uh, of our product there. You know, a lot of people, even in other countries, know what smoked salmon is, but a lot of people here, even in Alaska, aren't sure about smoked black cod. So we give our sample bites out of, of the dips and smears also. And uh, you, you can come on by. Uh, the Yukon Bar is, is selling our, our dips downtown. Uh, the Res Art Coffee Shop sells our smears in the summertime. Uh, there'll be a place called Primrose uh, Provisions down by the Sea Life Center. That'll be, uh, they're, they're going to do charcuterie boards and, and they will be playing with our product also. So, so you can come straight to the source here and, and buy it in bulk. Uh, but uh, now, uh, where else can, can people get your product? Are you only in Alaska, in the New York so place? Or catch for, all over? Cat, if you're familiar with Catch 49, they're uh, part of the Alaska Marine Conservation Council. And they've been doing like a buyer's club. They work with fishing boats all over Alaska and they do fresh frozen seafood. And uh, they were doing uh, shipping once a month. But uh, last year, they got into a, a brick and mortar place at 15th and Gamble. And now I think they they do distribution days, two, two days a week. And they, uh, they are our Alaska distributor for the smoked black cod. And uh, they're up in Fairbanks too. Um, there's a place in Montana, a guy, Peeler's Pink, and he uh, he's got two trucks that do routes all over Montana. They're somewhere new every day in a different town. They got their routes they do. He's carrying it. He's he's doing really well with it, moving hundreds of pounds of it. And um, the uh, Bozeman Community Co-op. In, in Bozeman, Montana, has it on their shelf. We're just about ready to get into a couple of new places, one in the Bay Area, one in Hawaii. We'll see how that goes. We're not there yet. Uh, then, of course, Mecklenburg's in New York City. In Brooklyn, they got another, they've opened a second location, uh, Domino Sugar location, Williamsburg, I believe, but um, I haven't been there. I know they're open. You, you can order, uh, our website's been a work in progress for a couple of years now, but um, my wife uh, keeps a really skookum Facebook page. So Saltwood Smokehouse on Facebook, I believe there's a link to our product price list, both bulk and retail prices. And Instagram, I think she's got an Instagram thing going. Yep, that's where yeah. I found you guys was Instagram. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Mike. Go, go, go from from there with it. And for all of our listeners, if you click on this icon wherever you're listening to this, we will have all of those website links and social media links for their site. So you're more than welcome to check them out. And thank you so much, Jim, for joining us. And and thank you. We really do appreciate the opportunity and. Um... Thanks, everybody out there for listening and suffering along with me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to my daddy, Hugh Ladle. Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 